Welcome to At The Source. Liam and Carl started their food podcast, Breaking Bread, in October 2018, just a month after At The Source started, and we've always supported each other from afar. It celebrates the Birmingham food scene and their episodes vary between interviews and reviews. I thought it might be fun to have a peek behind the scenes, almost break the fourth wall, so to speak, and just have a chat about what it's like for us both as food podcasters. Today I'm chatting to one half of the Breaking Bread team. Welcome Liam and thank you for joining me uh, remotely tonight. Hello Alex and thanks for having us. And touch wood, we're not having too many technical issues with this remote recording just yet. So um, hopefully we're coming across crisp and not too roboty. Ah, it's not too bad. We're all good. We're, <laughs> we're all safe and home and that's the main thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, let's get straight into it. So um, where are you and how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I'm I'm housebound, like probably most of the country at the minute. I'm quite lucky now as I don't have to carry on going to work. We've, we've finished, finished doing that now. So I'm pretty much dividing my day between cooking and home teaching, <laughs> mostly cooking and watching Disney. <laughs> That sounds pretty good, actually. So are you on furlough from your day job? What do you normally do? No, I'm actually, I'm self-employed. So I'm uh, I'm just on a kind of, I don't know, I don't know what we're called, really, just a layoff, really, just until we the contract that I work for has just kind of said, like, there's no work, we're closing for the foreseeable, and I do all my work for the same person, so. Oh, shit, okay. But to be honest, but. It's okay because my wife was at home and my daughter was home from school and I felt a bit bad anyway going out and still mm. mixing with people. And I thought, you know, if it comes back, it's through me and that's on me. And I felt a bit bad about it. And even then, when it, we didn't really know how serious it was like two, three weeks ago. I mean, we, we had a feeling, but when you see the uh, news coming through now, you think, gosh, I'm glad, glad I got out of it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. My um, other half and I have been working from home for, this is week four, so for a week before the lockdown started. Um, I've been quite lucky that I think my boss was quite forward thinking. Um, and unlike a lot of other teams within my company, because I work for a big company, we actually started working from home sooner. And now I'm really pleased because I know that we are safe, but also that we haven't passed anything on. So tell us a little bit about Carl. What's he doing at the moment? Yeah, so obviously Carl's not here and I, I feel a bit lost. I haven't seen him now in, I think, three or four weeks and I think that's probably the longest we've not seen each other in about three years. So and that's um, a bit funny. But yeah, Carl works for actually open reach in his day job. So he's actually classed as a key worker. So he's maintaining the internet and the telephone lines and... I would pretty much agree that he is a key worker because I don't know what I'd do without the internet. <laughs> but yeah, he's obviously he's got his daughter as well. So he's and his wife's still working from home and she's a she's a HR lawyer. So obviously she's extremely busy in the current climate. Uh so he's kind of divided between working and looking after his daughter. So he just he's had to just say Liam, I'm sorry, you're on your own for a little while, but you have to understand, don't you? It's it's family first, and we do the podcasts because it's our hobby. It's it's not our job, so it's like yourself. So, 
there are so many similarities between us, uh, which is why I thought it might be quite fun to, to do this. Um, and obviously I started my podcast with a friend, Karis, who is unfortunately no longer involved. So I'm a bit like you at the moment that I'm flying solo, but unlike you, I guess I've, I'm going to, I'm going to stay flying solo for a bit longer. Um, so I wanted to ask you, just to see really if, if we do have similarities. How did you originally come up with the idea for the podcast? Basically, it's just in my day job, like I work in construction and I'm I'm driving for more, maybe 100 miles a day or something like that. So I'm in my van quite a lot. And after my first week of doing the job, I, I got awfully sick of the radio. Absolutely. You know how it is, hated it, adverts. Hearing the same song. So somebody told me about podcasts and I thought, oh, I don't know, I'll give them a listen, see what they are, see what that's about. I didn't even know how to listen to them. I didn't know I had the app already on my phone. I had the Apple, Apple Podcasts app. I didn't even know. And the first one somebody recommended was I was really into UFC, you know, the fight in the championship. And somebody said, like, you'd really love Joe Rogan. So I thought, yeah, I'll give that a go. And then I listened to it and I thought, three hours. This is, and then I thought, I don't know if I could listen to something for three, three and a half hours. And it flew by and I thought that was perfect. I didn't have to try and change anything on my phone while I was driving and I didn't have to stop. And I thought that was like, it was just so raw and I loved that. And I loved that there was no, you could tell it wasn't like overly produced, like a radio show. And he, he was just, he's just really free to do whatever he wants to do. And then the more I got into him and then there'd be one episode, he does like three or four episodes a week. And there was one episode where he'd have like a kind of scientist or something from Oxford talking about, I don't know, like neurophysics or something random like that. And then the next week he'd have like uh, Jamie Foxx or something. Like, and I thought, imagine that if, if I could do that, but with food, because I've always been into food. I thought, imagine if one week I could have like a celebrity chef and then the next somebody like doing aquaphonics in their garden or something and selling microherbs to their local restaurant. I thought, imagine if we could do that, that'd be just brilliant. That's the cool thing about podcasts is that you can literally find a podcast on any topic because it's a hobby thing and it's, it's just... There are so many out there on all sorts of different stuff that you can pretty much find your niche. At what point did you decide that your podcast would be about food then? Pretty much straight away, really. I mean, it's it's kind of always been in the background as my hobby. And I, like I started working in kitchens and stuff when I was quite young, but I just... I couldn't stick at it. it. It was, I don't know if you've ever worked in a kitchen or chef or anything yourself, but it's really long hours and it's really rubbish pay and it's really blooming hard work. So I was like, and this isn't for me. I think I'll stick to the dining room, not the kitchen. So I am. Um, <laughs> The other oh, yeah, side. <laughs> I've just always been obsessed with food. It's kind of been a bit of a running joke in my family about how much I do kind of always talk about food and my aunties like to remind me that I was talking before the age of one and they said you've not shut up since and I think I have to probably agree on that and yeah I just just food I've just always loved food to be honest and and stories and I realized quite early on this for some reason I don't know if it's because chefs are a little mad or the hospitality industry is so sporadic but there's so many great stories in the hospitality industry. 
and I'm I'm really attracted to stories and telling stories and I I feel like podcasting's a bit of an art form really. It's a form of creativity, being able to share someone's story. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. And it's it, again, it's a really similar um, story for me. So I have a food blog, which is, I think, seven or eight years old now. So it's been around for a while. And about three years ago, I bought a little um, Zoom recorder, like a not like the one that we use now. And we actually use the same one as you guys, but, and was going to start it, going to start it, going to start it, never got around to it. And then my friend... Karis, who I started this podcast with, I told her about it and she kind of said, oh, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. And she was the, the kick up the ass really that I needed to, to get this going. But exactly the same as you have always loved food, always waffling on about what I've had for my dinner, taking photos of what I've had for my dinner. <laughs> what made you want to go from like specifically a blog to starting a podcast? Why a podcast? What made you like podcast so much? Oh, I think it's because not a lot of people were doing it it levels you out. So like you were saying about the podcast that you were listening to, there might be someone really famous on it one day, and then it might just be a local person talking the next day. It seemed to me like I could access really interesting people quite easily. And I don't know if you found this, but when we first started, we had so much support and almost everybody that we asked said yes, which was just mind blowing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you know, you you nearly wouldn't start something when you, especially a podcast, because we sat there and thought, is there any point? Is anyone ever going to do it? And you nearly talk yourself out of it. And we were like, oh, I don't know how we're going to attract anyone to come and talk to us. Like we're mm-hmm. nobody's like, we didn't even have a blog. We had nothing. We were just two people who ate more than they than the usual and and um, <laughs> they yeah, and then we, I think we kind of, we're quite lucky in Birmingham because we got a really, really good street food scene and with Digworth Dining Club mm. and stuff like that. Most of them traders, the, it's the owner that's standing behind the grill or the barbecue or flipping burgers. That's So I, I kind of seen that straight away as a really good opening. So Ollie was our first and we managed to get in there and we were quite lucky with Ollie because Ollie knew quite well. It's the same with most of them traders. They all know each other because to get work experience before they start their own they work in each other's so once we got onto Ollie we got a few more and it, it was just from there but it's funny you said because I think I wrote maybe four or five emails asking people and everyone was like well majority said yeah a couple of them no but then since then I don't think we've had to really ask anyone everyone just emails us now and I, I didn't really know about PR companies before we started and I didn't realise most of these restaurants have a PR company working for them. So now we get a lot of the PR companies contacting mm-hmm. us. And, but the, the, um, everyone loves it. Like everyone's so happy that we're supporting the smaller people as well, not just the bigger restaurants. And because the, there's a lot of chains and stuff in Birmingham as well. I think it's quite important that you get that balance right. And, and you do get that balance right. And I'm hoping that I do as well. So you can go from, for example, you you had Dishoom, but then also you'll be talking to street food traders and it's the same with us. So we had Asma Khan, who is extremely well known and, and very popular, but then also we spoke to a pig farmer in the middle of Wales. So it's about sharing people's stories regardless of the level they're at. It's, it's quite... Um, Oh, I don't know what the word is. Almost like I'm making out like we're like gods here or something, which <laughs> we're not. But it's almost like quite humanizing that everybody sits in front of that microphone and has the conversation regardless of what they do within the food 
industry, whether they own their company or whether they're behind the griddle or, or, or whatever, everyone's story is as interesting as everybody else's. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, to be honest, I think you do a great job of that. And I sometimes I think I, I look at, well, I listen to your podcast and I think oh, we could do a few more producers or something, you know, food producers or farmers or something. We, we probably haven't got enough of that. The problem is we get a lot of chefs messaging us because they want, they really want to come on because obviously chefs love yeah. talking about themselves. So, <laughs> <laughs> But that's quite funny because I think that we could do with having more chefs and maybe it's to do with where we live because Bristol, like Birmingham, is really, really good for food. But we're also obviously right on the edge of Somerset and we have, um, we're right on the edge of Wales, like Abergavenny, for example, with Abergavenny Food Festival. So we've got all these producers right on our doorstep, whereas you're in the middle of this huge city where you have got a really, really strong dining scene. So maybe we need to like do some swaps. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Maybe do some swaps. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're talking probably an hour really outside Birmingham before you get to some kind of decent foods. I'm thinking maybe. I'm trying to think of where Paddock Farm is, maybe is the closest, but it's, yeah, it's about an hour away. So mm. we're not that close to anything like that. So you're pretty lucky there. And, and on top of that, then you've got a, a wicked dining scene in the city as well of Bristol. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty lucky. And to be honest, when I moved to Bristol, so I don't know if we've ever had this conversation, but I'm from Leicester. So when I first started blogging, I used to come across to Birmingham for quite a lot of like the BBC Good Food Show and like quite a lot of food stuff that was arranged for bloggers because there wasn't as much happening like in Leicester. Um, and so when my boyfriend said, oh, I'd really like to move to Bristol. I didn't really know too much about the city and I had no idea that I was moving to like a really foodie place. I kind of landed on my feet, I guess, with that one. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, yeah. Bit. <laughs> yeah, put about four stone on in four years, but you know what? It's all been worth it. It's all good. I've not been lucky enough to go down. I, I could do with just planning a trip really just to go down and eat because most times I've been down is like for a family thing or we had my brother stag do down there. So you don't get much of an opportunity to go and find somewhere decent. But uh, I, I've, I read enough about it. I'm obviously Casimir. I listen to a few podcasts with Pete. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's some good places. Do you find that doing the podcast is harder work than you thought it might be or that you expected when you first started yeah 100 <laughs> percent ridiculously hard like it's not so much the talking and like like as we said finding guests is pretty good and the actual sitting down to record i love that and meeting people and the traveling i think it's maybe the editing is quite time consuming there's the marketing and of the podcast to try and get it listened to. It's it just it's just mm. I don't know if it's harder, maybe just more time consuming than I thought it would be, especially when you've got another job. Yeah, that's the bit, isn't it? When you've got a full time job, because I thought, you know, now that we're kind of on lockdown and now that we've worked out how to do this remote recording, we could line a load up. So we were supposed to be recording last night. We're recording with you tonight. We're recording next Wednesday and on Easter Monday. But actually... I've got no time, which is hilarious because we are in a lockdown situation. But I bet you're quite relieved that it's us doing the editing on this one. <laughs> we did it the right way around. Yeah, I am very relieved, actually. I've got quicker at it, but it's just, it's still time consuming. It really is. I mean, when I first started, I mean, I don't know what you, I think I've seen that you use um, Reaper, but I use 
audacity and like when I obviously when I first started I didn't know anything about it so I'd have to listen to the audio and I might get like 10 minutes of audio and it would take me an hour to edit that 10 minutes you know ridiculous yeah 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 no um so we did use audacity um with when Karis was doing the editing but now we use adobe audition so i don't actually do that side of things i'm really non-techy um i've been really lucky that dave's been able to pick that up but i know that as time has gone on both Karis and also now Dave have got loads quicker with it. And I think it's also about being brave and knowing when to chop and when to leave bits in as well. It's probably quite um, a tricky one. If someone's waffling on and on and on, on like I am now, do you chop it or do you just let it go? Yeah. I try and let it go as much as possible. And that's another thing. When you first start, you try and edit every or and, Mm, and every every little part and you realize you don't really need to to be honest because it's only when you listen to podcasts yourself you think i didn't really notice it didn't detract from the podcast in any way really mm-hmm. how do you and carl split your workload who does what in fairness uh probably do most of it <laughs> Probably ninety ten in my in my in I don't know if I was gonna say my favour, but it's not really my favour. <laughs> um it's mainly Carl Connor just turns up to do the podcast and then I do the rest. But it's kinda of got the two different animals then because we've got social media, which we try and put quite a lot of effort into and Carl does quite a bit on that as well. But in fairness it, <laughs> I'm sure Carl won't mind me saying it. He's a little bit of a techophobe. So he's um, like, he, he just, I just couldn't, he probably just, in fairness, he wouldn't have the time as well to just sit and edit podcasts and stuff like that. I don't know. Do you think it needs two of you? Because this is something that a couple of people have said to me is, am I going to find a new co-host? And at the moment I'm a bit on the fence and I don't mind the listeners knowing this. So my current plan, I think, is to get guest co-hosts and kind of change them up and give a few different people a go if they feel like they fancy it. But probably because I've spent two years building this thing up, I'm almost loathed or nervous, maybe is the right word, to bring someone new in as like an equal partner. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, to be honest, I don't think... It really needs to. Like, there's there's lo- plenty of podcasts that are presented by one person. For me, I think I need the two because I, I feel sometimes I'm quite serious. I probably get a little bit carried away with the business side of things. It's got a massive interest in business, whereas Carl's very so much like he's very funny and he's keeps it quite light and likes to just steer away from the business kind of things. And then Carl's like Birmingham's biggest cheerleader as well. Like if you told Carl, he could never go anywhere else in the world and he had to stay in Birmingham. He'd be chuffed. He loves the place. Like he he tells everyone it's the best city in the world. (laughs) So yeah, I think I like personally, I needed both of us. I couldn't do it without Carl and like, obviously he couldn't do it without me, but I don't think that's always the case. I think for yourself, you could definitely do it yourself going forward. I mean, I know you've had a couple of guests on these roundtables that you've done for the Corona specials, but I thought they've worked very well. Yeah, I, hopefully. I mean, I'm still adjusting to um, 
life without Karis. And, and I, I miss her, you know, she was an integral part of, of, of what we did. And we had a nice energy bouncing off each other, but I just need to maybe remember to ask some of the more intellectual questions. So maybe I'm the Carl of the, of your duo, because <laughs> I tend to be the one that's being a bit silly and asking them the, the silly questions. So maybe I need to channel a bit more channel Liam. That's what I need to do. What would Liam ask? I'll get one of those little wristbands. <laughs> I think with pretty much anything as well, I think you can learn a bit more as well. I think there's plenty of books and stuff out there and I'll try and read as many as I can on like interviewing and interview stars. And there's even a few podcasts about interviewing and I think I'm always listening to them and trying to improve a little bit. So I think that's a good way of, of doing it as well. Do you think it's harder doing it remotely? Because I definitely have found that when you're sat, even if it's somebody that you've never met before, when you're sat together at a table and you're making eye contact and you're having a cup of tea or or whatever, it or beer, <laughs> it's that connection that you can make face to face. I personally have struggled doing these remote interviews to get that almost like banter going between us yeah a little bit my problem is i think is i'm i'm quite introverted which is quite surprising for some people because obviously not many introverts might put themselves out there with a podcast but i struggle with like on a te- i hate telephones like tell if someone nobody ever if they just scrapped telephone calls forever, I'd be the happiest man in the world because I hate it. I'm exactly the same. And I've been hating it working from home because I have to have these bloody video calls and and team calls every five minutes. And I just want them to, can't they just text me or send me an email? Why do they have to ring me? Yeah, text, my, text has been like a lifesaver. WhatsApp's been a lifesaver for me. I just, and even now, like not so much because I feel like, we've kind of built a bond by chatting a few times online and stuff but like last night I had done one with someone that I don't really know so well and the whole time you're thinking oh how have they just interpreted that or what did they think about what I just said then you know you got this in a dialogue the whole time saying and you can't read their face because normally when you've opposite someone you can read their face and say oh, yeah that was all right <laughs> they didn't they didn't pull yeah. a face or you know what I mean you can read I think as an introvert you pick up a lot more on the the kind of slight um social science and stuff like that but surprisingly I feel all right to be honest doing the um I don't know if it's because I've still got a microphone. I think if I didn't have a microphone, I might feel a little more nervous. I feel like we're like lifting the curtain for uh, all these people listening to our podcasts and and assuming that we're super professional, which obviously we are super professional, but like looking under the curtain and seeing what it's like, like secretly. Um, What has been your biggest podcast fail? It's a hard question to ask. Uh, I'll tell you what, I don't know if it's a complete fail, but it was definitely kind of a pretty big mistake. It was like I didn't really do enough research when I first started. I was kind of more of the opinion like, you know, I'll jump out the plane and then figure out the parachute on the way down. And I bought, I just went on to, do you know Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do actually, because I work in marketing and I've seen a few of his things. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. And then I, I realized that, well, I just thought, well, he's got a load of followers, like a hundred million followers. I'll just copy whatever he does for his podcast. So I searched into Google, um, Gary V, uh, podcast equipment and he had, and lo and behold there was a whole page of what he actually uses to do his podcast so I just went and bought that because it was all quite accessible there was no there was nothing there 
that costed more than 150 quid. I think I bought two like um, condenser mics and like a Scarlett to connect to the laptop. And I thought, yeah, this is it. My podcast is going to sound brilliant from the beginning because I spent mm. a few hundred quid and I've read Gary V, so I know what I'm doing. So I went and recorded our first podcast, which I said was with Ollie from the Brownie Bus. And we went to his lockup, which is in Birmingham. And it's like basically like a storage facility. So obviously it's not a pad. There's no padded walls. There's no, there's big echoes and he has refrigerators in there that were humming the whole time. There was like a garage next door, which had cars working on it. And I set up all my gear and I recorded, we had a great chat and then I got home thought, yes, that's the one in the bag. I'm I'm flying now. And I started editing and I thought, what's going on here? I, c- I can barely hear me and Ollie talking. And then I've done a bit more research into it. And I realized that if you're going to go out and record it on location, then I've probably just bought the worst two mics you could buy. It's really, really annoying having to carry a laptop and stuff around when you don't really need to. So then obviously Zoom kept popping up then. I was like, well, Zoom was actually cheaper than my whole setup in the beginning. I should have just bought a Zoom. <sighs> Everyone was talking about these um, SM58 mics that were just the general kind of hardware-in microphones that are used quite often in kind of TV and stuff. Yeah. And they're, they're only £100. And I was like, well, they were cheaper than my mics. So I should have <laughs> oh, just no. got them. And I was like, well, oh, well, I've wasted a, a bit of money and a bit of time because I'd like to say that I'd realised that after Ollie, but I'd still went and recorded about three more episodes with the sound marks. I mean, there was one with a really good chef and it was in the pub that he worked at during service, but just in the corner thinking like, oh yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but it really wasn't fine and the audio is awful. And even now, I think we're about 30 episodes past that. Sometimes you'd you share a link to one of your new podcasts, a new listener finds it and then goes all the way back to the beginning yeah. and listens to them first three episodes and goes, oh, the, the audio is awful. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But that was like 30 episodes <laughs> ago. Try listening to some of our new ones. Like I've learned yeah. from then. And I don't know, it's not so much a fail. I mean, I learned from it. Well, in fairness, I think that's that's the best thing about a fail. As long as you learn from it, then exactly. it's not too bad. Exactly. What about yourself? Well, I was just thinking after I'd asked you that question, what mine would be. We probably had a similar thing where we were at Abergavenny Food Festival in 2018. So literally just started the podcast and had an interview with James Wetlaw from Cabrito Goat, who at the time for us was quite a big win. And we were quite nervous and we'd done all our research. And then the room that we were planning to use was suddenly no longer available. And we had to do the interview in the press room. And all you can hear is just tinkling of cups and glasses and people laughing and chatting. And the sound quality is horrendous. And at that point, we were still recording on the Zoom H2N, which is a single tiny little recorder that records everything into one channel. It's just got one mic on the top of it. We didn't have any uh, separate mics or anything like that. And we tried and tried and tried to, to kind of clean the sound up. We asked um, a friend of Karis's who who works in this sound editing field to see if he could do anything. And we did have quite a few comments actually from people just saying, oh, I tried to listen to it. It's just really bad. And it's similar to you. We, we just learn. And, you know, now whenever I am going 
to someone rather than them coming to me, I say, you need to be in a quiet room. We need to have soft, <laughs> soft padding. It needs to be, you know, a fridge humming in the corner needs to be unplugged, blah, blah, blah. And it has made a massive difference. And obviously now we've got decent mics and we're, we're able to record kind of straight to laptop and we've got a decent setup and it's so much better. Yeah, I've been quite lucky in that there's a new podcast studio just opened up in Birmingham so, oh, so jealous. it's fairly inexpensive to rent out for a couple of hours and I've started recording a lot more of them there now especially like when we have some of the bigger like when we had Master Chef Amazing. on I was like yeah definitely need somewhere proper to record that because it's going to be uh, probably our most listened to and it was so but <laughs> I've never had it I don't know have you, have, have you have you had one yet where it just hasn't recorded and you thought it had? Or? <laughs> Don't say that. No. The only one that we've had where that kind of happened was the first coronavirus and food episode. We had Nina, who is the editor of Wicked Leaks magazine, and she runs the PR for Riverford. And her Zencaster, which is the software we're using for the remote recordings, and I know you're using it as well, had not fully uploaded her track and, and we didn't tell her to shut the window, which we do now tell people to do so she just stops after 20 minutes and it was so frustrating when we were editing because you can hear me and the other guests saying wow Nina that's a really interesting point thank you and then <laughs> nothing and then silence and then I was going like hmm hmm uh, but touch wood the we haven't had um a time when the recording hasn't happened so and now I'm literally like knocking on my table <laughs> That that will never happen. So I listened to uh, Scroobius Pip's disaster distraction pieces, and it happened to him once, like with Ben and Jerry. He did an episode with Ben and Jerry. He's went to the farm, had a oh tour, and done God. this podcast with Ben and Jerry, and he didn't record. And I was like. Oh man, imagine that happened. It'd be like yeah, it really would, especially if you're recording with, um, you know, you've travelled somewhere or you're recording with someone quite, quite big. Um, do you take backups of your podcast? Do you do you have them just on like your hard drive, or how do you how do you store them? Yeah, I, try, I have them like obviously on the laptop and then on the yeah. hard drive as well, just to make sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always think, what happens if I lose it? But to be honest, I've stopped when. Because you probably had this as well, but when we first started, we tried to record like as many as we could. So we'd have like five or six yeah. waiting there, and then we'd just get nagged all the time. When we were getting this release, when are you releasing this one? And we were like, I'm not doing that anymore. So we'd try just to have one or two kind of just ahead of us. Absolutely, totally agree. So we used to go out and record. So, say for example, Karis and I would have a day off work and we'd go to somewhere and we'd arrange four recordings in the same two days. Like we went to Brighton and we recorded five episodes in two days. And we, I, I will review this, but we release every other Sunday. And so I am literally releasing, I released an episode this weekend, just gone that we recorded in November. And in hindsight, that's just wrong. And it's, and it's no good because the, the woman that we interviewed in November, she has since then launched a new cookery school. And I think for me, I want to be able to release them more quickly after they've been recorded. So yeah, same as you, I'm trying to get them out a bit quicker now. Again, it's just that learning curve, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I don't, it's one of the kind of common themes and one of the best things about podcasting is it is quite, quite raw and quite 
kind of off the cuff, not unprofessional. I definitely wouldn't say unprofessional, but it's definitely not like as locked down and as perfect as the BBC. And I think people like that about podcasts. And the fact that you can get them out a bit quicker, which is probably, yeah, actually in hindsight, that's probably at the source's biggest fail, recording a big batch and then just sitting on them. I've got an episode, I've got two episodes left that Karis and I recorded together. One of them was recorded in January and the other one was recorded, yeah, in November. And that's just too long. I think it's just that when you first start out, you think, oh, maybe I'm not, I'm not always going to have a steady in, influx of, um, guess but you do really like every time we think oh where's our next guest coming from and then next thing you know we've got like four or five emails and we're like oh well we'll be all right for a little while now and we'll just try and schedule them a little bit more in advance because you know when you're releasing so you just gotta kind of think plan it a little bit better so that's what we've, we've tried to do so we've talked about our fails what has been your favorite episode so far and why i don't, I don't want to ruin things there but like obviously you sent me this question yesterday and I've just been like I don't I really can't so I, there's so many that have just they've been like like that most of them are special in their own way and we've really yet to have a bad one like we keep saying like surely just by odds you're gonna meet someone that you don't like it's just the way it goes and even like people that have we've we've had and yeah everyone tells you like because we've met you probably like yourself we've made friends with a lot of the people in the industry now and people like people have a good gossip then they and they're like oh i don't know if you'll get on with them Liam. like you know that they're this and that and it, and then so you were expecting the worst kind of but then you get there and you've sat there for three hours and you've had the best three hours ever you've had a drink and a chat and it's turned out to be one of your best episodes you can't favourite anyone. They're all great. People are going to have to listen to them all, even the first three in the noisy um, brownie bus warehouse. They've got to go right back to the start and give them a listen. So Alex Claridge was probably a special one for me, I think. I don't know if you know Alex from The Wilderness. He's been on National Press a few times and stuff. I think I've heard of him. He's quite controversial. He was, he was on Great British Men. Oh, well, um, I should Midlands I should seats. definitely know who he is as a as a fellow Midlander. Um, I haven't seen Great British Menu for a few years, but I used to absolutely love it like so much. I remember when Glyn Pennell was on it in the early days. It was good then. That's when it was good. It's not so good anymore. Yeah, so Alex was on that and he's he's got loads of tattoos. Good looking fella, tall bloke. But his story was just because he's had such a rough year. His last 12 months, of, he's opened a new restaurant. It's failed through probably little fault of his own. And he's come out the other side just raring to go and it, it was quite an inspirational chat and he, he's always been someone we've kind of looked up to anyway so Alex was a good one and on the flip side of that we do a couple of um, charity episodes so we've done one with uh, a really nice guy called Barry and unfortunately we were we done the episode with this Parkinson's charity to promote an event that they had planned it's like a secret supper thing where you meet at a bar as like there's about, I think there's about 200 people at this event and then you're given your envelopes and you get three different courses in three different restaurants around the city that sounds amazing yeah incredible idea but obviously because it was meant to be next week I think it was so oh, obviously because of everything it's, it's been delayed now I think they're doing it October but yeah that, that, I mean Barry who's a Parkinson's um he suffers with Parkinson's himself and then the it was the Midlands regional organizer for 
Parkinson's UK and them two were just brilliant and I thought I love this like people that they, nobody else would get them give them a chance to talk and tell their story so I was quite proud to be able to do kind of episodes like that we're done with uh, Action for Refugees charity as well so stuff like that I love yeah so the thing that's really nice is again as we mentioned earlier on is that you could have a Michelin starred chef on your podcast and the next day you've got Barry and everyone's story is equally interesting and equally important and I love that about your podcast and I love that about our podcast and I love that about a lot of other podcasts that I listen to so I don't know what other food podcasts you listen to, but I really, really, really love the David Chang show. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. I don't, but I think you recommended it uh, one of the times we spoke. Yeah, and I've started, I've downloaded it. I've got it ready. It's on my list. I've got a massive list. I think you will probably really like it because he he does these things where they're like pre-opening and post-opening diaries of like Momofuku restaurants that he has around the world and around America. But also he digs really deep into the business and the the running and the operations of his restaurants. I think you personally would really like that. Oh yeah, I'd love that. That's probably my street that is. <laughs> yeah, he's just... I I have got like such a, such a giant crush on David Chang. I just think he's... he's He's amazing. His TV shows on Netflix are really good. Okay, so my Dave is looking at me across the table. (laughs) (laughs) David Chang for life. (laughs) You will do, but you are not my true David love. Stop this podcast right now. He says he's stopping the podcast right. Yeah, check it out. I think you'd really like it. Yeah, I'll have a listen. Breakfast, lunch and dinner is brilliant. He's just such a clever passionate guy and actually some of his COVID-19 episodes have been really fun there was one the other night where he was talking about if he'd, he's got a really young son I think he's one or one and a half and he's been cooking up all these different purees and kind of exotic different things to try and feed and tempt his son to eat and he said the only thing that makes his son really love the food is if he adds salt and butter and he'll do it sneaky 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 and his son will be going wild for this like restaurant michelin quality spinach puree and his (laughs) wife will walk in and just give him the glare and it's so funny because obviously he shouldn't be giving his kid that but his kid loves it It's just really funny. You didn't say what your favourite episode was. What was my favourite episode? Again, I don't really want to favourite one out because I have to say that everyone we've interviewed has been amazing. Just putting it out there, FYI. One of my favourite episodes was the one that we recorded with Sam Bilton. She's a food writer, but she also runs a historic um, supper club. And we went to her house and she kind of was talking to us about this Roman themed supper club that she got coming up and she was going to cook this thing called like Dormouse Feast. And it's basically not Dormouse, obviously, because it's modern era, but it's Roman recipes that she was taking and she was interpreting them in a modern way. And she was so interesting because I studied history at uni and that combination of food and history, I was literally like girl crushing so hard over her whilst we were there. <laughs> and she fed us cake, which any guest that feeds me cake is always welcome. When Asma Khan was obviously amazing and everything she said was inspirational and just made me feel like I was sat in the presence of this amazing woman. Uh, what else? There's too many. They're all brilliant. They're, they're literally, it's a hard question. It's so hard because you feel like you're giving, yeah. 
you're doing a disservice because we've got episodes where we've spoken to people like Steve Ashworth is a really big figure in the Southwest in the, in the food world. He's, he's not a blogger. He's an, he works, I think he works in insurance, but he's a huge, huge figure in the local dining scene and everybody knows him and he's really passionate and he's just incredible. He's a, he's a really inspirational guy. If you weren't from Bristol or Taunton, you probably wouldn't know who he is, but his, in his episode was so interesting. And I think again, you know, we shared his story far beyond Bristol and I'm sure that there are people like Steve in every bit of the UK who are doing just as much amazing work. So yeah, yeah. I can't answer the question. <laughs> we'll be here all night. Yeah, question. I'll tell you more than, more so than the guest in particular, one of the things that has probably kept me hooked to doing a podcast is the closeness you feel to someone after you've interviewed them for your podcast. Like I love how you meet and you usually shake hands and like it's a little bit awkward and it's a bit like, it's not awkward, it's like professional. Hello, how are you? Yeah. And then you come to the end of the podcast and you've heard their whole story and you've, you've, um, you've kind of uncovered their passion and at the end of it, when you say goodbye, it's always a big hug yeah. and like, you feel like you really know him. And I'm I still keep in contact with pretty much every guest I've had on the show. Yeah. And I think that's my favorite thing more so than favorite episode, just how we feel afterwards, just the connection it kind of gives us after is brilliant. Like that, that's what keeps me podcasting, I would say. Yeah. I love that. And you're exactly right. It's, it's the same. I've had some really funny ones where we, again, at Abergavenny, which has kind of been like the the heart of the podcast for the first year, at least getting us off the ground. Uh, we interviewed Mary Sue Milliken, who is an American chef. And to be honest, didn't really know who she was. It was quite a last minute thing that came in from the PR there saying, Oh, if you've got a slot, Mary Sue Milliken is free. You can interview her. And fortunately we didn't have time to either write any questions or research her. She literally turned up like half an hour later. And after the event, we, realize just how influential and famous and well-known she is. She almost was responsible for kickstarting the Me Too movement in, in, in the American food industry. And she's just incredible. We sat with her and we ate cakes and we talked and she told us about her life in America and in Santa Monica. And she gave us massive hugs and she was, she took selfies with us and she was just the warmest, most lovely woman. And if we had maybe have known her status in the US, I think I would have been different. I think I would have been really nervous and I'm not sure if I'd have had that connection with her. And she said at the end, you know, if you're ever in Santa Monica, let us know and we'll go to a farmer's market. And I genuinely think that she would. I don't think she just said it. I think she, if I was in Santa Monica and I said, hey, Mary Sue, I'm in Santa Monica, I think she genuinely would be like, hey, come over and let's go, let's go food shopping. And that's incredible. Yeah, I, rem I remember that episode. Now you mentioned it, to be honest, it was very good. She's she came across very well. Yeah, yeah, she was she was awesome, given that we had no, no prep whatsoever. I'm quite interested to hear your answer to this question for myself. What advice would you give to anyone wanting to start out uh, any podcast, not just in food, whatever their interest or their hobby is in? Well, I think the best advice you could give anyone wanting to do a podcast is definitely to 
to do it, to just go and do it because you might not think anyone will listen, but if you think you would listen to it yourself, then it stands a chance somebody else would definitely want to listen. Uh, another piece of advice I would give is that most episodes, most series of podcasts, only ever last seven episodes so if you're gonna do it make sure you really want to do it make sure you've got something you're definitely gonna say and work at it because chances are you're not really gonna you well you might do but unless you've got some kind of following from something else unless you've got like unless you're peter crouch or you've got some kind of following from somewhere else you're unlikely to get a massive following straight away it's something you really have to keep working at and building so you have to be really persistent and don't get too downhearted if the numbers aren't exactly what you want them to be because if you love it then that's the reward not the amount of listeners or downloaders so you've got to keep going with it but i'd definitely just say just do it and if if we've got time I'd, on a practical note i'd say do some research into marketing a podcast because now I've kind of released and I can go back and reflect on it. I've realized that we probably didn't do it the best way we could have. And there's an actual formula that will help you get the best start you can with a podcast. And if you just do a bit of research into marketing a podcast and how to get onto that mm-hmm. new and noteworthy slot, it doesn't take that much effort. I know somebody who got to the new and noteworthy slot and to the top of, I think it was the business charts and on Apple iPad. <laughs> an Apple podcast and they, I think they only had like six, 700 downloads, which is quite a few, but it's not like mega. You're like, I looked at that chart thinking now then people must be getting like 10,000 downloads every episode, but they're not. It's, it all goes by the algorithm. There's an algorithm on Apple yeah. podcasts and you can learn to play that. If you have, if you think how many people, you know, if you told every person, you know, to go and rate and review, on the very first day that you release maybe five episodes on that first day, then that will shoot you straight kind of somewhere near the top anyway. And once you get into that new and noteworthy, you've got a far better chance of getting found. And I would add to that and say that there's quite a lot of podcast newsletter roundups where you can submit your own podcast as well as obviously getting other people to do it. And I've managed to get out the source on a couple of those. There's one called the Great British Podcasts and we were on there and that gave us a real boost as well because that that roundup goes to zillions of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great advice. Right. Right. We're going to finish with a quick fire round of Birmingham favourites. And I haven't given you these in advance because I want to hear what comes straight out your mouth. I'm nervous now. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need some sound effects, like a... Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> that wasn't a sound effect, that was me. Right. Okay, here we go. This is all Birmingham and Birmingham surrounds. Best Sunday roast. Butcher's Social and Henley. Best pizza. Uh, I'm going to say Poli. Oh, you're too slow, Liam. <laughs> It's in King's Eve, Poli and King's Eve. If you know, you know. <laughs> Best burger. Meat shack. Best place for a beer. So this is awkward. I just, I know it's meant to be quick fire, but I don't drink. Oh, best place for a coffee. Coffee. Ooh, um, actually like 200 degrees. Yeah, nice. Got a good, got one in Nottingham as well. Best curry. Um, that is hard, especially in Birmingham. Uh, I always use a place called uh, Sully Horse Boys Club. <laughs> They've got this amazing lamb puree thing. Sorry, this has been too quick for. <laughs> oh, that sounds so good. Best all out flashy feast, money's no object. Where would you go? Simpsons. Nice. 
And best place for a lockdown delivery? Baked in brick. <laughs> Definitely baked in brick. It, just go look at their page and see what you can get to your doorstep. It's just ridiculous. Oh, I'm imagining like cheese toasties and stuff. Am I right? Oh, no, it's not like that. But there's like epic Sunday. They could deliver a whole Sunday roast to your doorstep, like pork belly. Just go and watch their story, Insta story from today. And if you don't draw all over that pork belly. <laughs> That's going to make me really sad because I'm in Bristol and they're not going to deliver pork belly to my house. So thanks. Sorry. <laughs> thanks a bunch. <laughs> right. That was quite possibly the slowest uh, quick fire round ever. So I probably won't bother doing that again. Thanks, Liam. Thanks. Birmingham is awesome for food. And if any of our listeners have never been, I definitely suggest A, checking out Breaking Bread podcast and B, just getting over there and getting some good food and having a good time. Right. We have definitely, definitely run out of time now and the batteries are running really low in our recorder. So I think we should probably call it a day. Um, Liam, thank you so much for joining me. It's been really fun to lift the lid on the uh, the secret life of food podcasters and just find out a bit about how you do it and see how it compares to to what I'm doing. Thank you so much. No, thank you. It's been really, really good. I mean, it, just to chat to somebody else who understands everything, <laughs> it's nice because it's not a lot of time you get to talk podcasts. So it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it and I really appreciate you having me on. Cool. We shall nerd out again soon. Next time, face to face after lockdown. I think that'll be fun. Go and get one of these. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. All right, then. Thank you so much. See you soon. Thank you, Alex. Bye. Bye. Bye.